Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Today's episode of The Other Stories has been sponsored by The Sharp End of the Rainbow, a brand new short story collection from Madeleine Swan, published by Headstance Press and out today over at godless.com. Be sure to click the link in the show notes. The Sharp End of the Rainbow will transport you to a gilded dystopian wonderland. Where else could you grow a man from a mysterious seed sent to you in the mail? What about a giant octopus who shows up in the corner of your room and can clone anything it eats? The Sharp End of the Rainbow collects 39 of Madeleine Swan's most bizarre stories into one surreal package. Available at Goddess Horrors on January 24th, 2022, and everywhere February 1st, 2022. Ouch! I got too close to the Sharp End. Today's episode is Shut In, written and narrated by Georgia Cook. Sam's apartment complex was a place of thick cream carpets and glistening windows, winking in the morning sunlight. As the lift door slid open, Amy couldn't help but feel a twinge of familiar anger. God, he had it so easy. Here she was, barely scraping by to care for their mother, living in their tiny childhood home with a pending engagement and a fiancé growing increasingly delusioned by the day, while her older brother spent his day secluded in understated luxury. Amy forced herself down the corridor, passing a handful of identical doors, spaced at discreet intervals to suggest the expansive apartments behind them. There were no windows in this corridor. The air had a stifling, muffled quality. Amy realised she'd slowed to a tiptoe and shook herself angrily. Fuck this. 
She marched the rest of the way to Sam's door, number 63, took a deep breath and knocked. Sam? It's Amy. Open up. Nobody answered. Amy knocked again, harder. Sam? Nothing. She stood back, glaring at the well-polished wood. Nobody'd heard from Sam in months. This wasn't unusual, of course. Sam had a habit of disappearing, often for weeks at a time, sequestering himself in his squalid little flat, tinkering with his latest obsession. But even for him, this was excessive. She'd sent emails, called his meagre group of friends, tried his social media accounts, but all to no avail. She'd left voicemail after voicemail. Sam, it's Amy. Mum's birthday's coming up. Did you get her a card? Sam, birthday's tomorrow. You want me to sign the card for both of us? You owe me. Sam, where the hell are you? Mum said you didn't call. Sam, I swear to God. Eventually, her fiancé, Lisa, who'd endured several disappearances already, convinced her to give it a rest. You'll call eventually, Amy, she said. Stop stressing yourself. He always does this. So Amy stopped. She sent their mother flowers on Sam's behalf, a card signed from them both, and chalked it up to yet another squandered celebration. But that had been two weeks ago, and still nobody had heard from him. Finally, forcing down a reluctant twinge of concern, Amy had packed up her car, told Lisa she was visiting friends in New York, and driven north to Sam's apartment. Now she wondered why she'd bothered. On a whim, she tried the handle. It turned without resistance. The door wasn't locked. Amy paused, glancing over her shoulder in case Sam's neighbours had spotted her, and gave it a push. The door swung open, releasing a wave of fetid air into the corridor. Amy coughed, covering her mouth with a sleeve. The hallway beyond lay dark and silent. Not a single light flickered within the apartment. Nothing stirred. Amy's stomach dropped. Sam? she called, hating how strained her voice sounded. I'm coming in. The gloom swallowed her as she stepped inside. The fetid smell lingered in the hallway, musty and cloying. The air was stiflingly hot. Amy tried the light switch. Nothing. Sam's door key lay on the side, covered in dust. Amy shivered. In her mind's eye, she saw Sam's body sprawled across the sofa, his skin grey and spongy, dead for weeks. She forced the thought away. Maybe he was ill. Maybe he was staying with friends. Maybe, God forbid, he'd finally found a girlfriend. Most likely, he'd found a new obsession. Christ! Despite her unease, Amy couldn't help the customary wave of disgust as she eased open Sam's living room door. Like the rest of the block, Sam's flat had started out beautiful. An open-plan kitchen and lounge, with tall bay windows and rich cream walls, offering fifth-floor views of a sprawling cityscape. Now the air smelt of stale sweat and rotten food. A spray of black mould arched across the bathroom door, threatening further horrors within. The curtains were drawn, giving the room a cramped, cavernous air. The low ceilings only served to deepen the shadows, turning each corner into a distant black pocket. Dishes sat mouldering in the sink, giving off a stink Amy could smell from the doorway. And as for the living room itself, Amy froze. 
her eyes widening in the gloom. Junk lay everywhere. Televisions and ancient computers sat stacked in blocky towers, threatening to swallow Amy whole if they fell. Cables of all colours and sizes trailed across the carpet. A crude pathway of sorts had been carved through the mess, leading towards Sam's bedroom. Black screens glinted in the half-light, giving Amy the impression of watching eyes. Christ, Sam, what the fuck? She should turn around right now. Leave the flat, call the police, maybe call Lisa for support. This was weird, even for Sam. But something about that narrow little pathway, riddled with wires and overhanging pieces of machinery, utterly, incomprehensibly unsafe, called Amy onwards. She crept forward, horribly aware of each creaking footstep, each distant breath of wind. What had her brother been doing? She remembered his last obsession. Days and days in the Colorado desert, dehydrated and half-mad, scanning the sky for UFOs. She remembered the obsession before that, finding Sam hunched in his university dorm after a fortnight of missed calls, buried deep in the online labyrinth of the dark web. She remembered the terrifying weekend she'd spent, aged ten, searching their empty middle school for ghosts. She'd lost her way in the basement, calling and shrieking in the pitch-black dark. When she'd finally crawled her way up the stairs, breathless and terrified, she'd found him sitting in the corridor on his Game Boy, oblivious. That was Sam. Oblivious. His obsessions never wavered in their intensity. The strange and the unknown consumed his world. Sam's bedroom door hung open, just visible beyond the junk. Amy inched towards it, forcing down a twinge of discomfort. As she rounded the corner, she froze again. The teetering piles had been pushed aside, forming a circle of clear carpet. In this makeshift clearing sat an arcade cabinet. Its sides were an unadorned mossy green. A mess of wires and circuitry spilled from its open chest. Its screen sat black and empty a small white line blinking at the top left corner, as if awaiting instruction. A battered computer keyboard filled the space usually occupied by a joystick. Amy spread her fingers over it, feeling the worn Bakelite keys. How old was this thing? Something flickered in Amy's periphery. She looked up. A single word had appeared on screen in uniform white letters. Amy. Amy jolted back. Sudden fury rose to swallow her panic. So he was here, the little shit. She turned. All right, Sam. Very fucking funny. Where are you? Nothing moved beyond the piles of dead electronics. Unperturbed, Amy stormed through the aisles. Sam's bedroom was dark and sweltering. The bed sat empty and unmade. Mouldy plates and cups of coffee littered every available surface. His computer had been left running on the cluttered desk, Casting a pallid glow across the room, Amy found her eyes drawn to the screen. Three weeks ago, Sam had purchased a second-hand arcade cabinet from an eBay seller in Germany, totalling just $80. So that explained the mess outside. Slowly, inexorably, Amy reached for the mouse. A mass of tabs documented a frenzied rabbit hole of research. Words like polybius and serial possession flashed across the screen as alien to Amy as anything in her brother's world. Finally, she found a crudely formatted webpage, 
detailing an obsessive record of a mud-based arcade cabinet named Process. Grainy photos depicted a deep green cabinet, a simple keyboard in place of a joystick, its screen dark and foreboding. Process had first appeared, according to the page, in the late 70s, arriving in arcades seemingly overnight. The game had no official manual, no guide, just a blank black screen and a keyboard, inviting players to ask a series of questions. Beside each documented appearance was a missing persons report from the same area. Wherever the cabinet went, it seemed, someone vanished. Usually a child. Amy sat back, battling between unease and irritation. So that was it. Some cookie-cutter urban legend from 50 years ago. An arcade cabinet linked to missing children. And Sam had bought an exact replica. What was he doing? Amy left Sam's bedroom. The cabinet was waiting for her. Hulked in its clearing like a waiting beast. A new line of text had appeared beneath the first. Amy, please, help me. Christ, Sam, Amy whispered. This isn't fucking funny. Where are you? To her horror, the line flickered. I'm in here. I can see you, Amy. You just left my room, right? I don't... Maybe Sam had a webcam connected to the cabinet. Was he recording all this? Laughing to himself somewhere? Amy wanted to tell herself that nobody, not even Sam, would go this far for a trick. But a different realisation rose instead. Nobody knew she was coming today. Heart pounded, she marched up to the screen. Sam? What the hell's going on? You saw my computer in there, right? This thing. It eats you. I can feel it pulling me apart, Amy. You've got to help me, I think. The writing cut off abruptly, before returning on the line below. I think there's something in here, with me. Amy leaned down, desperate to see some clue to this trickery. Instead, she found herself picturing her brother floating in a deep black void, cold and alone. Maybe he'd typed the wrong question. Maybe the machine was merely a shell for something much stranger, picking its food apart piece by piece until nothing remained but white text on a black background. Amy closed her eyes. You're... you're really stuck inside. Yes, I'm fucking stuck inside. Amy bristled. She recognised the cadence now. Well, good for you, Sam. You finally found an actual fucking mystery. What do I do? Round the back of the machine. See the yellow cord? Put it back in. Don't touch the others. I think this thing's feeding off the electronics. What happens if the power goes? Please, Amy. Slowly, slowly, Amy crouched down beside the cabinet. A trail of wires led from the back, joining a mass of plugs and cables connected to the wall. Amy eased a hand through the gap. The thick yellow power cord gleamed in the darkness. The top one? The cabinet beeped. Amy moved to grab it and paused. A dark, terrible thrill rose in her chest. She was alone in here. Nobody knew she'd visited Sam. God, it would be so easy. The cabinet beeped again. Amy glanced up. What's taking so long? Just finding the right one. 
Amy sat back on her heels, her heart pounding. The thrill was growing now, becoming hard and unyielding in her chest. She took a deep breath. Did you know it was Mum's birthday last month? This time there was an even longer pause. What? Just wondering if you knew. The little counter blinked. The cabinet whirred, then... How the fuck should I know? Amy's mouth twitched. The dark and terrible weight blossomed upwards. A moment of total understanding. Yeah, just checking. She ducked back down, ignoring the furious whirring inside the machine, grasped the nearest cord and pulled. The entire plug came free with a soft pop. In the split second before the lights cut out, Amy thought she heard a soft mechanical scream. Then blackness. She leaned back. The mess of electronics lay dark and silent. No white text. No whir of eternal mechanics. No Sam. Amy waited, listening intently. Then she rose unsteadily, brushed herself down, and left the apartment at a brisk walk. She locked the door behind her, whistling softly, then dropped the key down the apartment rubbish chute. Maybe someone would open Sam's apartment eventually. Maybe they'd find the cabinet. Maybe they'd start it up again. But that wasn't her problem. None of it was her problem. It would never be her problem again. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Shut In was written and narrated by Georgia Cook, edited by Carl Hughes with music by Daniel Birch and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading. And of course, a thank you to Ben Arrington for his Tommy gun of content he keeps tucked away in that guitar case ready to fill a rival gangster with social media bullets. Georgia Cook is an illustrator and writer from London. She's the winner of the LISP 2020 Flash Fiction Prize and has been shortlisted for the Bridport Prize, Staunch Book Prize and Reflex Fiction Award, among others. She can be found on Twitter at at Georgia Cooked and on her website at georgiacookwriter.com. If you'd like to sponsor an episode or an entire volume of The Other Stories, you can do that and you can tell everyone about your podcast or your book or perhaps you'd even like to invite everybody who listens over to your house for cake and tea. If that sounds like fun, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash contact and let us know the details about your cake and tea party. Also, we are still accepting submissions to short stories, so head over to theotherstories.net forward slash submissions to find out more details. The Other Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.